Welcome to Podcasting for Without Reasons, where AB sings, ABC brings the drama. And listen, we are here with a very special guest with some actual official analysis. So right, we bring fake analysis. She she our guest today gives analysis and the data that actually backs it up instead of just wildly gas bagging like we normally do. Exactly. So without further ado, um, Susanna, hi, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you guys about all things Bachelor. Yeah. Our guest today is Susanna Summers. She runs the Bachelor Data Instagram page. I've been following it for a little bit. I've been really enjoying not only the information on like the Instagram growth, and then also just like the, this is how you expect the season to go based on the date orders. And I think it's all super interesting because like any way we can try to like predict better what the producers are doing makes it makes it easier on us to not predict that someone's going to win who now has no chance because of like some weird data phenomenon and can i just say i love i love the whole range of your data like your data is like intense where it's like in in the weeds where it's like okay you know like the pretty woman date that's where i found you how it's like oh okay what so susie what are susie's odds right now she's got that classic date then also you did one on my favorite subject, shrimp gate. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then also, you know, you were helping us figure out first impression roses, you know, and the time frame of like when we have to wait for their dates, you know, so your data is so much fun to look at. I love it. Yeah, it's been a blast. It's, I mean, it's been a journey, like not to sound like The Bachelor. It's been a really long journey to get here from going from not knowing how to use Excel and being scared of it to really thriving in this space but it's so fun to just get this data that people are thinking about when they're watching but they don't necessarily want to collect it themselves yeah I love it and also when I was looking at your stuff and saying that you you wanted to make excel fun so I think that's great because I definitely yeah fun in excel myself so I mean that's that's how I got started on it I mean I didn't know how to use excel I was one of those people who fudged their resume and said that they were proficient in excel when like I wasn't I had no idea what I was doing and then I got put in a job where like I actually needed to know how to use it and they asked me to do this spreadsheet analysis as a tech director at the time um, for a school district just moving from a teacher position and then ed tech coach to tech director And they're like, hey, you can analyze like the state testing data, right? And the spreadsheet was a beast and I had no idea what I was doing. So after that traumatizing experience, I decided to start collecting Instagram follower accounts on the contestants as a fun way to learn because I'm going to open up a spreadsheet about Instagram followers on the contestants more than I'm going to on student testing data. Yeah. Yeah. One of those is interesting. One of those is monotonous and boring. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and arguably not super useful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of those is useful. One of those is, and obviously the Instagram data is way more useful. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you talked about how you started collecting the data, but what was your very first bachelor season? My first bachelor season was Jake Pavelka. I like, I guess I'd heard about the show, but not really. We like didn't watch it at home in high school. Um, and I was a freshman in college, bored in my dorm, and was searching for TV shows, and I found it, and then I also found the spoilers on it before I finished watching it. I didn't watch it live, like, I had watched after it aired, and I was like, wait, he chooses the villain, and I was, like, hooked, Watch the whole thing went down, it was way better than I thought it'd be, and from there, it's hooked, I just couldn't go a season without watching. So you weren't doing the data then, though, right? Oh, no. You were just enjoying as a a spectator like the rest of us regular people. (laughs) Yeah, I only started collecting Instagram followers. It was December 2018, the month before Colton's season started to air. So we knew who the contestants were. So I started collecting their Instagram follower counts every night at 8 p.m. And then once the season started airing, Um, I just kept doing that the whole season, not really realizing what I'd signed up for, but it was really fun to look at every night, like who grew, who didn't, and then like getting annoyed, having to do the same things that were super laborious in Excel and then finding better ways to do it. Gotcha. Okay. That's early. That's early season, isn't it? That's true. Yeah. That was like in the 2000s. It was, I think, 2010 or 2011. Yeah. 
Man. Yeah, I've been watching for a while, but I'm so I sad I missed like pre-Pavelka years because they're really like you can't find them legally online. Like the only way to find them is illegally. And I just former tech director, I just I, I can't get myself to watch those. <laughs> the only season that I've seen that was pre the seasons that I'm current that I started watching with was Jason Mesnick's season is on Netflix. Yes. For yeah, I've seen reason- that one. For some reason, it's the only season available yeah. on any kind of like legit streaming service. I'm just like, I mean, this was a good, this is yeah. a good ending. I just don't know why it's randomly on Netflix. What I'm wondering then, though, I'm wondering if they just did that because maybe they're capitalizing off of like the whole Ari debacle too, and him changing his mind, just being like Colton, being like, oh, I'm gonna have this fence for this one girl, and the bail on these other girls, like drama ensues. So maybe they were like, you know, who, who also was dramatic is Mesnick. Maybe that's why Netflix decided that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I just heard on another podcast that it was randomly on Netflix. I'm just like, okay, well, I'm not going to pay for these old seasons, so I might as well just go on right. Netflix. I already right. paid for that. But when I went back to go watch it, I was like, this is hard to watch. Like, maybe maybe I can see now why they don't have these up, because it's like, it's very, like, oh, like, oh, women's yeah. rights. and Everything. Or not women's rights, but it's more like, oh, like, how are we treating women? Like, this is, oh. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> so I know you talked about doing like or starting watching this in college, you know. Um, so obviously you've grown this into um, a bit of a, you know, a full time, a full time gig, really, you know. Um, yeah. so obviously, this is something that you're passionate about. What tell us what the Bachelor franchise means to you? You know, I think it started first as just like a mindless show. To, to put on. I mean, it definitely isn't anymore for me now because I'm constantly taking data as I watch. Um, but it was also a way for me to connect with friends and talk about something. I think, you know, college, I feel like is the first experience where you're like, oh, wow, it's like kind of hard to make friends. Like I didn't do the whole sorority thing. I went to, you know, I was in Texas and I was like, that's, you know, it's a lot for me. <laughs> I was like in marching band in college. Like I went to University of Texas, like drummer, and, um, and then I left marching band and I was like, okay, now I have to like find friends and like find ways to meet people. And then like leaving college, that's when it's like the eye opening of like, how do you make friends as an adult? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's nice to have something to connect with people about whenever, you know, they're into reality TV, but it's also nice to just like have on in the background and, you know, it is pretty formulaic, which I feel like is like easy to listen to, but at the same time, I'm excited now that they're actually starting to like really shake up the show. Yeah. 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 I love that you're saying that it is kind of that formula where you can't have it on. You can give it all your attention, but you can also make dinner. Like Brendan gives me crap all the time where I will say something and then I'm like, I was making my dinner, you know, I was, Oh, and he's like, why would you choose then of all the height of the drama? I can hear it in the background. I wouldn't be giving you crap about making dinner during the show if we didn't do a podcast where we talk about the show. Listen, but then I tell you I was making my dinner. I tell you <laughs> we're doing a like podcast. A it should also be a, bo- a podcast slash cooking podcast. Just like whenever I miss like little things. I will say since I've started analyzing the show, I went from watching the show with my friends, ironically, to like, I just can't anymore. Like, oh, really? Even my friends texting me during, like, while it's on live, because, like, we start taking data as soon as the episode starts airing, like, mm-hmm. so we can turn it around same night. Um, it's like, I just, I can't watch it with friends because, like, I tried to do that early on, and then people are all talking over, and I'm like, I need to hear this for data purposes. <laughs> like, be quiet. <laughs> so I noticed you said we. So, how many people do you have, like, working with you? What, what's your team like? Yeah, so I hired my friend um, who helps me collect screen time now. Um, it was always really useful early on when I was doing it to have somebody to talk to um, and like keep my bias in check, right? Like you, we're collecting data on who's featured. So that takes, like it is a little bit subjective, right? Like who's on the screen. So we came up with a really detailed rubric. Um, and then I was doing that plus my full-time job, I, like all these different things that I actually developed tendinitis in my wrist. <laughs> Oh no. And after like two months of physical therapy, I was like, okay, maybe I should like bring somebody on to help me with this because it's a lot. So we like literally take like timestamps from each episode and it's over four to 500 timestamps per episode of who's featured. So 
if like all the contestants are sitting on the couch, but like two, two of the men are fighting back and forth. Like we literally go like who's featured right now in this little segment. And then when it changes screens, like what's the timestamp there? And like, we don't want to count everybody as being in that scene just because they're sitting next to the person, but we want to know who's featured. So we can really get that idea of how much screen time are we seeing these people in? Okay. This is brilliant. I'm, I'm loving this. (laughs) And then I also, I have to say too, with Instagram, like getting their Instagram followers, I am not at the computer at 8 p.m. every night anymore. Mm. Um, That was really hard to do that first, those first few seasons. So I do have um, a few people who will help. So the same person who helps with screen time will jump in, but then also my mom will help. So she's learning how to use Excel now too, which is great. Um, But yeah, so I have some help. (laughs) That's awesome, man. You're like building a whole bachelor nation data empire. <laughs> well, I mean, what I've learned to re- like, what I've learned is like, this is, it, it's a lot of information to pull and like, it's, it's impossible to do it by yourself. Like you need, you need a team to do it. Especially the amount of information that you're getting and also the different types of information. Like you're, you're doing word counts, you're doing screen time, you're doing Instagram growth. That's too much yeah. Even if you had 20, even if you didn't have to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> 24 hours a day collecting and analyzing data. It's just too much. It's too much time for one person to be able to effectively provide all this excellent information. Or I mean, the hardest ones are even like the ones that you mentioned about like the shopping date. Like mm-hmm. we have to go back in the transcripts, search every single episode's transcript for a word that can clue us off if it was a shopping date. Um, and then when we find it, then we read through the transcript. Then we have to pull up the episode, make sure that that actually happened. Um, and then once we do that, then we have to map out each season, what that episode number, what week it was on the show. And then once we have all of that, then we can start building a really complicated post. <laughs> wow. And the Jason Mesick one, that one was interesting because they did a shopping date, but that was so early. And I yeah. believe if I remember right, didn't that person go home? On the I think so, thing? but I the difference like was, was like too immature and not ready. The, the difference with Jason's season, though, was that back then the season was much shorter, so True. they only had a few weeks before they went to hometowns. Whereas now we have like I think six, seven weeks before they go meet the parents. Um, yeah, I think those early seasons it's really hard when you look at the data where it's like you guys had like three weeks of dates and then you guys were at hometowns. Like, what is this? That's insane. <laughs> yeah (laughs) goodness yeah I love that though I love seeing the charts like the charts are a thing of beauty love it (laughs) so then you you mentioned even watching for for a bit who do you have a favorite or least favorite lead as you've been watching Um, I think my if I had to choose I think my favorite bachelor is definitely Ben Higgins but it was more because I loved his cast and like I feel like that was the first season where there was a really big shakeup that I saw. I mean, obviously there was a big shakeup, like Brad Wilmax first season when he didn't choose anybody and like Jason Ugh. Mesnick when he changed his mind, like, but I wasn't watching those. Like I, yeah. I didn't get to see those live, but um, when Ben Higgins told both of them that they loved him, I just, I loved his cast. They were the first cast that I followed so many of them because I was truly invested in like following them after the show. Um, but then ironically, my favorite bachelorette is Jojo, but not because of her cast. I did not like her cast at all. <laughs> her cast, yeah. Um, yeah. Her, yeah, her cast is a little, mm, to me. Yeah, well, and especially now. <laughs> but um, I really enjoyed her season. Um, I really liked Matt James' season. Um, it was my first major season reporting on the show. And I think a lot about that season not only taught me, um, I mean, like growing up in Texas is very different than, you know, especially where I live now in Massachusetts and learning about like, you know, I am, white like I I'm Brazilian but like as much as I want to you know as as much as I identify as being Latina like I am white and I don't like a lot of a lot of conversations on that season were conversations that um were interesting to hear but especially now with Matt James book coming out um he like released the first chapter and just reading about it was just it was such a like oh yeah, there are people behind these numbers and the people behind what I'm reporting on and hearing stuff from his perspective. I'm really excited for his book to launch. Um, But yeah, I learned a lot that season, not only about data analysis, but just about 
like being a good human and and understanding how I can be a better ally. So I think those are my favorite seasons for sure. I love that because it's not it's not just like the data is something obviously it's fun, you know, but it's not just like it's something that you do and then that's it. You know, you're learning from it and you're you're growing from it too. Like I hope that we all are as spectators, you know. Um, I think that's incredible. And I really love what you said about um just like having a team in place too to check your own biases. Like I think that's a really good point. I think and with our podcasts, like I think that we kind of balance each other out. You know, like Brendan might say something and I'll be like, what? Or I might say something. And he's like, from the standpoint, here's the, the male perspective, you know. So I think that that's kind of, those kind of conversations are really important. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have it, especially because I feel like you can get just so wrapped up in the data that it's nice to have another person that's like, mm-hmm. hey, you need to think about this or hey, you're kind of reporting it from your own perspective when you didn't think about it from this other angle. And um, like bias is really powerful. And I think the hardest thing about bias is identifying that it is there to begin with. And something that we're always like, especially screen time is the easiest one to talk about is like, am I giving this person more screen time because I like them? Or am I giving them more screen time because I don't like them? (laughs) And trying to like get that out of my head and be like, no, it's about who are people like focusing on in this moment because of, you know, the storyline or how it's edited. Mm-hmm. And then along that same line, do you have contestants that you particularly liked or particularly didn't like? Um, I think one of the seasons that I like didn't enjoy as much was Nick Vial's season. And it, it was just simply because like, I can't understand the guy. Like he just <laughs> mumbles so much. Like, and I, I want to listen to this podcast more, but I have such a hard time listening because I don't know, like I'm a person on Instagram, I have ADHD, so I have some auditory processing issues. Um, So I really need captions on Instagram. So I like love accounts that do that. And it's like, I need captions for his podcast and for his season. Uh, (laughs) And honestly, like that's just it. But um, I mean, the women on his cast are awesome. And his, I mean, his season was entertaining. I really can't hate on any of these seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I think his season's one of the ones that I like go back to rewatch the least. Um, but, um, yeah. And then I guess just, I don't know, there are contestants that I just, I, I try to just ignore that they exist. If I don't like them, it's, it's one of those things, like, it's just not worth <laughs> my, that's fine. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like I, on my Instagram account, I follow everybody with over a million followers. Cause I think it's important to like keep up to speed on what they're doing. And then I also follow every single lead and who they chose, um, again, from recent years, like I don't season four, like, I don't even think they're on Instagram. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just try to follow who I need to for the news, but honestly, for the most part, I just, you know, if they really frustrate me, like, I just, I don't report on them. I don't like, it's not worth it. Yeah. Nick Vile himself is, uh, divisive on this particular podcast. Sure is because I, I mean, Andy, Andy Dorfman season, like I had watched back in like, I don't know how long the show has been on now, but I think I watched like back in like junior high or like high school or something when it first started. And then I, I stopped watching Andy Dorfman yeah. season is when I tapped back in and lo and behold, who's there? Nick Vile. That's how the world got him. And I had strong feelings <laughs> about him. <laughs> I carry those with me today. <laughs> I can't help it. And he's smart with his Instagram. Like he knows how to ruffle people's feathers to keep him in the news. Like it's, I applaud the work that he does. Like he's got a great successful podcast. Like, please don't take this as me like hating on him. Cause like, he's got a great podcast. He's making millions a year off of that podcast. Like, but like he's basically like a bachelor (laughs) nation counselor. Now I feel like when he shows up, they're like, Nick, what do you think? But yeah, I, it's about Nick, but I was like, no, when Brendan, found his podcast and he was like, listen, this guy's so smart. So yeah, we have very. Well, <laughs> I think I did not watch my first season watching was Colton season. Like that was my first season I ever watched even. And so then what I. What a had, first you know, season. Right. That, that's the season yeah, that Brendan watching. was like, let's do a podcast. <laughs> and because we have Colton to thank for this podcast. I started watching because I watched me and my wife and my sister went to the gym every Monday night. And then eventually Monday Night Football ended and I had nothing. So I just started, I just turned on ABC and was like, I wonder what this show is about. I'm just like, this crap is crazy. Quality trash. 
sure. Yeah. 100%. And then, I so I started listening to Nick Vile's podcast. I'm just like, this guy knows what he's talking about. And I, then I started talking about her. And she goes, I hate him. I'm just like, <laughs> whoa, he seems fine so far. But I didn't watch anything that he's been on ever. So I just, I only have the podcast and, and his years of experience to go off of. <laughs> So I noticed, so you said that you follow the contestants, you know, the leads and their, their um, picks that they, they ended up with. Right. And so we also noticed on Instagram, you have quite the following yourself. So not only do you follow these people, but it looks like they follow you back. So what kind of feedback have you heard from Bachelor Nation? Um, I mean, I guess my like non-Bachelor followers, it's, it's just so, so kind. Like it's honestly mm-hmm. like the kind dms i get it's just it, it's really nice it outweighs like the hate and the the mansplaining in my dms about how i should not oh, use as okay. much pink to make people respect my data um <laughs> and i'm like this account's not for you sir <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah it, it's really interesting when i see the contestants that follow me i think the the first like realization of like oh these people follow me but like it's it's kind of meta is like was last season on Bachelor in Paradise when the whole thing was going down with Brendan and Piper mm-hmm. and the very people calling them out for being in it for the Instagram followers were following my account and I was like oh this is interesting like because they're all there for Instagram followers like the, I mean a byproduct is that they get a lot of them end up in great relationships like Becca and Thomas are still together like so many people are still together right and I think both can exist in the same space you can go on the show for love and you can go on the show for for fame and to you know increase your follower counts um I think the way Brendan handled it was pretty crappy (laughs) um but you know I don't I don't fault any of them for it but it is it's it's cool when they reach out and and you know they have you know kind words to say um you know I've also had people dm me and and you know be like hey you need to think about what you're reporting on from this perspective that happened really early on like a few months after I started my account, there was somebody I was reporting on. Um, I'll leave their name out of it, but I, you know, was talking about their Instagram growth and, um, you know, they reached out and they were really vulnerable and they were like, you know, it's really hard to keep up with this as somebody who isn't married with kids and all the mommy influencers are growing and thriving. And I'm, you know, trying to figure out how to grow my brand. Cause I like, you know, I've called out a lot of contestants early on about like giveaways to use it for growing your Instagram. Um, you know, and it's not as like, Hey, these people are bad people for it. It was just more like, this is a method that influencers use to grow their Instagram accounts. And you know what? Guilty. I've done a giveaway too. Like, it's just something to keep in mind when people grow is like, how are they growing? So, but that also, it's interesting when they do DM me different perspectives, because again, like there are people behind the data, like, mm-hmm. and it's important to keep that in mind. Like, I, I think there's a level of respect that you need to have while also, you know, in certain situations, like when the Chris Harrison interview happened is like, you can be respectful, but also hold people accountable with data. So it's, it's like this balance of, do I report on this because it's going to help my Instagram account grow? Or, or am I like, thinking about all perspectives here and is it necessary to put this data out there yeah sounds like you're using powers for good well it's hard it's like I got like started posting this data because I thought it'd be fun and like now I feel like I'm in this like journalist role because like I am basically like a data journalist but I have no journalism background so I'm reading a lot and listening to a lot of podcasts on like ethical reporting and you know, I, I can see it now. I can see why people, a lot of people hate on CNN and a lot of people hate on Fox News because of how they report, um, you know, for ratings and different things. And, you know, how it's like every time you turn on the news, it says breaking news. And it's like, I see why now as somebody who's trying to grow their brand and, you know, maintain being able to do this full time. Like I can see why people do the clickbaity things and why they mm. report things with bias is, you know, or like with extreme reporting. I don't know. It's, it's a really complicated topic that I'm still trying to constantly explore. It's kind of like the bias thing, like keeping myself in check. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I have an interesting question about this upcoming season for you. Yes. Now, obviously 
this is unprecedented two leads so how i guess this is really more of a question that you and your team are probably working through as we speak possibly but how are you going to be trying to compare old data okay so i can see your face you're not you, you don't have, not really sure yet because like yeah no idea i have no idea like i look at some of the posts that i that i do routinely and i'm like how am I going to do this? But then also the other thing, it's, it's not just like logistically, like, how am I going to fit this on a graphic? Like, well, I do one graphic for Gabby and one for Rachel, but it's also like, how am I going to report on this without pinning the women against each other with my data? You know, mm-hmm. because I know that I like, there's going to be natural comparisons. Like everybody said, like Gabby's gaining more Instagram followers than Rachel. And like, how am I going to report on the data without like showing who's doing better or something like that? It's, yeah, I'm glad, like, I'm sad that it's for, like, we're not getting the show until July, but I'm also like, <laughs> I don't know how we're going to do this. Because so I think much that's what's good, though, is that we, we get this break. I think this whole selecting to, you know, when Jesse Palmer made that reveal and saying, it's not Gabby, it's not Rachel, it's both Gabby and Rachel. Like, everybody lost their minds. I think every podcaster, you know, every, you know, do what you do data analytics, you know, every, everybody was like, how, what does this look like? Even the contestants themselves are asking, do we date the same men? Are we dating at the same time? Like, wh- wh- how does this look? And he's just like, I don't know. None of us know. So I think on one hand, it's like, oh, we don't have it until July. On the other hand, I feel like it's going to give us a good time to get ready to get like our heads straight so we can get in the game. <laughs> Because so much of your data is predictive and projective, like comparing, like, this is how we see this situation play out in the past and using that to predict how it could happen this time. But even then, you're just like, I don't even know if this this data is relevant at all. Like, I don't know how are they going to both, is every day two-on-one? Are they doing one-on-ones with different people at the same time? How are both? Yeah, I like... (laughs) I don't even know how they're going to do it. Like, are we going to get two episodes a week? Is every, like, you know how the first few weeks it's like more group dates than Mm one-on-one dates and then it switches to having two one-on-one dates a week? Like, is one one one-on-one date only going to be for one lead and then the other one for the other? So will that cut the number of men that they get one-on-one dates with? Or are the dates going to be shorter? And like, I don't know. I'm just really hoping we don't get two episodes a week the whole season because we cannot handle that much analysis for screen time. We just can't. We don't even, in the analysis that we say we do, because we're always like, we're giving you some brand new analysis. The analysis that we do, it would be exhausting (laughs) to do that. And we, we just talk. (laughs) And I feel like, we don't know. (laughs) I feel like though, like they recognize that Bachelor Nation's burnt out. The guy like Robert mm-hmm. Mills, he tweeted out that they're giving Bachelor Nation a break. Like they specifically said, we're giving you a break because they heard us. They were just loud and clear. Like we were burnt out. I was so burnt out. I had no creative energy this season. Cause I was like, I've been going since April of last year, like yeah. while working a full-time job and launching two courses, like I need a break. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how they're going to do it without hopefully doing two episodes a week. Mm-hmm. Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that you said though, like that you, you're really looking at how you're going to present the data without pitting the two women against each other. Cause we've kind of seen that with, um, oh gosh, Caitlin and uh, Britt when they did that whole selection. And then it was like the men had to pick who they liked better, you know? And, and that, that was my instant worry was that I hope that they don't do something like that again, but only throughout the entire season. Like, yeah, that's my fear. I also feel like anytime that there's something new, I, I feel like people just naturally like pit people against each other. Mm-hmm. So like, obviously the situation was very contentious because people were so divided on it. But when we, when Chris Harrison stepped down and then we got Caitlin and Tasha as the lead, it was always like, everybody was like, Caitlin and Tasha are stealing all the screen time. And it's like, no, they're not. Like together, they're still getting the same amount of screen time that Chris Harrison was getting. Like that is just the bias of the, like it, it's, it's a new thing and you're just noticing it. And then even when we reported on their Instagram follower accounts, which we didn't initially include them, but then everybody was like, you have to include them weekly. So we did. And then it just turned into everybody like, 
oh, they're hardly gaining any Instagram followers. And it's like, yep, the same thing happened with Chris Harrison when he was on the show. He hardly gained anything compared to the contestants. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like he only got to one point something million, but that was after being on every single season for, I think, 18 years. Yeah. But eventually with that much time on the screen, you're not really making an impression anymore. Yeah. Like, if, I, like, if you're not going to follow Chris four seasons ago, then you're certainly not going to follow him now. Like, he, eventually he would just top that what he was going to get. Well, and also, like, the host, I mean, pre the, the whole fallout situation, like, the host role, like, everybody used, always used to make fun of it. It was like, he's got a cush job. Like, he gets paid millions to travel around the world and show up and be like, hey, guys, this is the final rose. All right. You okay? All right. Bye. <laughs> like, that was it. And it was just like, here's your date card. Bye. And I'm going to go chill by the pool and have mojitos. Like, you know, it was like a very cush job. And unfortunately, when they put Caitlin and Tasha in the role, they didn't change the role at all. Like the closest thing mm-hmm. we saw was when Katie broke down in the bathroom and Caitlin sat outside the door on the floor. And we were like, hey, this would have been nice. Like having girlfriend moments, like yeah. the girls there to like chat and be a girlfriend for you. Like, but they didn't change it up. So, I mean, now that it's Jesse, like, same thing jesse's not growing because he just shows up and he says hey guys final rose peace like (laughs) so i know you're so you're talking about like the things that you have analyzed you know and the the unprecedented things what did you find when that unprecedented season of the two bachelorettes but like one bachelorette dipping out early in one season you know what was that claire and tasha season like for your analytics it was really interesting. So that was my first season that I, that I did my Instagram account for. Mm-hmm. And it was after like, I didn't get to, I actually didn't even fully watch uh, listen to your heart because my, even though that was over the summer during the pandemic, like I didn't get to have the whole, like, I'm just going to watch TV during the pandemic. Like I was working 18 hour days at times because of my job, even through the summer. But when that season started, it was really interesting because there were, I, I follow spoilers. There's it's really hard not to, because if not, I'm not going to, like, if people are randomly spiking, you like, I need to know what's going on. Is this because something's happening in the news? Is it a spoiler? Like there were spoilers about what had happened and it was just so interesting to see play out. But what we saw with Claire's data was basically, it was like a mini season where she just like skyrocketed, you know, episode four when it ended. Um, But she didn't get that was the first like oh wow she hardly got any Instagram followers compared to previous leads and like she had only gotten like a million which now is like funny because now we're like oh wow like Clayton only got a couple hundred thousand um but it was really interesting because I was like oh wow like people didn't like her and then Tasha came in who had built her following not so much from Colton season like she hardly had any Instagram followers from Colton season it's like she she also went on Paradise to be fair and gained yeah. a bit from that, but her her following came a lot from a lot of it was from like her being a lifestyle influencer, which is really impressive because again, mm-hmm. like it's hard to grow on Instagram and and she successfully did it. Um, her growth was a little bit better than Claire's, but um, what I found very interesting about that season is that there were spoilers that Tasha had chosen Zach and like they're they were not hard to find it was it was released pretty early like it wasn't like the last few weeks of the season that it came out and he was not growing like people were not following him really? and it was really interesting because <sighs> typically in the past the majority of seasons leading up to that point if there was a spoiler that somebody won like they were the clear front runner on instagram yeah. but since Tasha's season because dale was one of those dale stood out uh because of all the rumors but since Tasha's season it's like hit or miss some seasons you can tell who's the winner and then other ones you can't based on spoilers wow, the nice thing about Clayton's season is that there were no spoilers the spoiler <laughs> came out I think like a day and a half before the finale right and even at that it was still messy and it was like half right <laughs> yeah all we knew is that Mike Fleiss was like oh we you know you don't know how it, it ends because we don't know how it ends it still hasn't ended and it was like what <laughs> Which was BS, by yeah. the way. Yeah, that was totally alluding did, yeah. to, they don't know who he's with, but like there were tons of videos of them doing the safe house visits. Like yeah. the next morning, Susie and him had a reel of like, there were literally, uh, there was yeah. a stop point that they found on Reddit of him sitting in the bathroom while she was on the toilet. Like 
they had been seeing each other quite a bit. Right. They were like, it's been four months. So yeah, he's ridiculous. Just bumping up that drama with like historic whatever, but yeah. <laughs> but it was a historic finale, to be fair. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah. The first one, the first lead to ever be left at the uh, proposal site. By themselves. <laughs> By themselves. As, yes, the, yes. as the person they love pulled away in a car. Oh, man. I love it. I love it, though. I thrive in this drama. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that this, this specific finale, for me, was, like, disappointing. Because, like, we we made, it, we made it very clear in our podcast that we did not like him. And I was disappointed that he was happy. <laughs> I The thing about him, though, I will just say this, is that I... At first, I was like, why this guy? You know, and we are, we're Missourians, you know? So we were like, okay, he's he's our guy. He's our representative. We were so happy. But then as it went on, it was like, okay, he's not so bad. And also he's like, he's giving room to this drama that, it, I, I don't know. Like, I didn't feel like he was so bad and it was still entertaining. But then it was like at hometowns. That's when there was like, okay, all right, well, maybe this slide will stop. And it just kept going. It just kept down. <laughs> I think, you know, I think the producers got what they wanted with Clayton. Yeah. They casted some, or they cast somebody who I always say casted, it's cast. <laughs> they cast somebody who had never watched the show, didn't make it far in their season. So when they threw them into the position as the lead, and his season hadn't even aired yet. He didn't see himself yeah. on TV. He did everything that they told him to do because he didn't know any better. He had no like, clue what he was getting into. Even when, if you don't make it far, if you at least watch your season live and you watch the media circus around it, like they don't do it before they go on the show as men. Like most men who go on the show, they don't watch the show. Like they just don't. Which Women. Just, just so surprising to me. Like <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't do anything without like without hey, watching it what it is like, this thing it was like lamar odom on on celebrity big brother who had hadn't you could tell he hadn't watched the show yeah oh obviously he had not watched the show <laughs> it's like he why would like, you go on right? about my life <laughs> or like especially the men that go on the show like you would think that the women in their lives that watch the show like just any of them like even a friend that they talk mm-hmm. to that watch the show like you would think they'd give them a heads up of like don't listen to the producers like you know, I'm not talking like Ryan who showed up with the folder and the, the right. spreadsheets, right? <laughs> but like, give them a heads up, <laughs> yeah. you know? But I think like the producers got what they wanted with Clayton. I try to, I try to give a little bit of grace to all the leads because mm-hmm. I think it's really easy for all of us to criticize them from the outside when you're in that world and like you don't have access to your phone. You don't get to talk to anybody except for the producers who are trying to get you to do stuff to make good TV, you know? And I, I think to you, like, I think these people get wrapped up in this world. You know, they, I don't know. I try to give them a little bit of grace just because I've heard, you know, I think my first contestant that I truly like listened to their reflections was Olivia Caridi. Mm, yeah. I think I'm saying her name right. Like hearing about the depression that she went through and everything. And it was like, if you really look back, like she really wasn't that bad. Like she made a teen mom reference, which was really in poor taste. And like, People were like making fun of her toes and stuff. Like it, it was when you look at like Chad Johnson or like some of the other people who have been mm-hmm. on this show um, or like Yosef and the way he like treated Claire. It's like, you know, like the way she got edited and how it like destroyed her life for a while. It's like I try to give these people a bit of grace, especially like Clayton. I was like, this guy does not know what he's doing. Yeah. Like, I don't I know. But The interesting part for me for part of Clayton was that near the end, I feel like once we got to hometowns, I feel like after that, his decisions were his own and they were just bad because like most, most people who were on the show wouldn't be like, Hey, even if a producer suggested, you should probably talk to them together. They'd be like, that's a terrible idea. And I feel like that was like, I have to do this together as a group. And they're just like, go for it, buddy. I think that's the idea for you. And he's like, yeah, I I should talk to them together. I could see them being like, no, Clayton, like you don't have the opportunity to talk to them together. Like you have to do it to them. Like I can see them totally being like, sorry, you don't have like, you know, and I think other leads, like, especially um, who was it? Was it Ben Higgins or Nick? Somebody said on a podcast how they were like, no, like you have to stand up for your convictions and for what you think is morally correct because they're going to push you like into Mm -hmm. what they think that you, I don't don't remember who said it, but 
yeah, they were talking about how like you have to like stand your ground as the lead. Um, I, I don't know. I remember hearing that and I was just like, man, that if I was like in that situation and people with like ABC's legal team behind them and like ABC's owned by Disney, I'd be so scared to do literally anything. Like that's why I'm so scared to report on anything. Like some people will DM me and they'll be like, Hey, I work for so-and-so and I can find some data that isn't that like, I can't publicly get. And they're like, do you want it? And I'm like, no, no, I don't. Don't send it to me. I don't want to see it. Like, I don't oh. want to get in trouble. I don't want to know things I'm not supposed to know. Like, don't send me tea. I don't want to like, I like see certain people on social media reporting, especially now with like Gabby and Rachel's season. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know which producer or like handler is talking to you because they like, there are people who not only work for this franchise, but like siblings who their sibling works for the franchise where they like people are so eager to jump into your dms to like tell you things you're not supposed to know and i'm just like stop like i don't want to know this like i only want to know public things like and the only times i reach out to contestants is like i need to confirm their race or like there's a rumor going around that their city that they're reported as being the hometown is not actually their hometown like Mm -hmm. i just reach out to them to like get data that like is correct like I don't want to misreport on somebody's ethnicity or their race you know yeah yeah you know it's just yeah I don't want to mess with like I don't want legal issues nope sorry just real quick you mentioned how you were reached you you reached out to confirm hometowns now Gabby currently lives in Denver but fun fact I'm not sure if I told you this Ernie but she's from the St. Louis area oh you did was born here I thought that was interesting. I just like, I yeah. thought I like another a St. Louis, a St. Louis lead back to back. They're super inconsistent in what they choose as the hometown, as the just town of the contestant. Like for some of them, they'll choose where they currently live in LA. And then sometimes they'll choose like their hometown or like there was one contestant that she was like, I don't know where they got that city from. Like I was in New York, but I was not never in that city. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they're just like, yeah, it's, well, you're going to this hometown and we're meeting your family. Just like, you don't seem to actually live here. Like, you don't, you're, <laughs> just, you're just doing random activities in the city. I don't think you know where you're going. Right. I don't think we're going to put yeah. you in a car and be able to tell you to go somewhere and you know where you're at. Yeah. But I just, I try to just not talk to as many people as possible that are directly like part of this franchise just because, like, Again, like I am not an account that wants to know insider knowledge. Like I, I just want to report on things that are publicly accessible. Um, just because like, I don't know, ethics, like it, Yeah. I don't know. And I also don't want to be a source of spoilers. Like I don't, I don't want that to bias how I report on the show. So like I very much cut off anybody who has tried to slide into my DMs that I find out is that all related to the franchise. Like I've had parents that slide into my DMs. And they, like, they'll say certain things. I've had contestants, gosh, like, late in the season, who were, like, literally trying to influence what posts I did to, like, crap on people. Like, really? And I was like, you're making other statements right now. Like, this is so not okay, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm never going to share those names because, like, again, yeah. like, I'm trying to stay away from these people. But, like, they will, these people just, like, eager, eagerly slide into DMs. And it's like, mm-hmm. seriously, <laughs> like. I just report on the data, like Switzerland, <laughs> like leave me alone. <laughs> well, if they want to send it to our DMs, I will willingly <laughs> provide information for Slide free. I'm no journalistic. You're just like, I will give out any information. You're like, hey, I'm like, don't talk to me, but I know two people that you should talk to. <laughs> so it's I also that like, being, that being said, though, their contracts are really scary. So, like, oh. you have to be careful with who you talk to because you don't want to get in trouble yeah. because of their contracts. That's, oh, goodness. That's a good yeah. Point. Yeah, I think, so I think you kind of answered my next question already because I was going to ask you about have producers ever used your data to, you know, predict their their leads, you know, make to make their next selection or anything. Have they ever, so you don't know, they haven't, if they have, they haven't told you or said like, hey, this is- I don't know, but again, it's it's all publicly accessible. Like yeah. if they're going to try to choose somebody as more Instagram followers, like they just pull up their final four on Instagram. They're like, all right, Tyler Cameron has a ton of Instagram followers or Jed doesn't, or, you know, like yeah. it's all publicly accessible. Um, I hope that they use my screen time data. I hope, and 
uh, there have been improvements. I kind of like to talk about the sliding scale whenever I talk about race re representation, which is what I started reporting on um, during that season, because we had just started collecting screen time halfway through the previous season. So we didn't do Claire's part of the season, but we did Tasha. Um, and then a lot of people, you know, were asking for race representation posts. I feel like there's like a sliding scale, which is like, yeah. A, you got to cast more diverse people. So everything from like, you know, skin color, but also to ethnicity, to people like Abigail, who she has a very diverse background being hard of hearing or not hard of hearing. She um, is part of the deaf community. And then she had the implant, like bringing diversity to the show, like casting step one, step two, actually show them <laughs> step three and then actually tell diverse love stories about them don't just use them as like a villain right mm -hmm. um or to like leverage certain conversations around race um or whatever they're trying to like check off so uh, like i hope that they see my data and there's definitely been improvements in the screen time representation so i hope they're seeing it um you know i hope i hope i'm not the first person that ever thought about collecting screen time and thinking about who they're showing on tv but I haven't ever heard anything about this being considered done by any reality TV show behind the scenes. Yeah. And really it's not that hard. That. They could hire a person or two to do it. Like it's not that hard. That's why I'm like, I'm like surprised that they haven't reached out to you to be like, listen, you need to be our <laughs> person, like get you. Yeah. Like just, just be the official bachelor nation data analyst, you know, or whatever. And they'll pay you a million dollars to do it. Cause clearly your data is something that they should be paying attention to and that can create a positive change. Like I'm, I'm loving this and I see the passion in your face, you know, as you're talking about it, it's really great. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that it, it just creates conversations, you know, and um, I'm not saying my data are, is like the way to go and that they have to use, like, I, I hope that it just starts conversations on the other end of things. Um, and I, I hope that it, not only starts conversations with the people that are there, but it makes them consider who are they talking to about when they make these decisions about what storylines get the priority of the screen time in the season. And are they just doing certain, like, are they just casting certain people to use them? Or are they actually trying to create a good love story? Like love is blind, like love is blind. Like every, the two seasons that we've gotten, the most followed person got a great love story yeah and they were not white you know it's like it is possible like this is abc they're owned by disney they have tons of money like they can they're more than capable of doing it they just need to check their bias and again it's not, like it comes down to diversity of everything experiences where they are in the country you know people like you know abigail but we also had like sarah heron back on mm -hmm. sean lowe's season great season that's another one that i really liked um you know where you know, she had a disability and it, it brought a lot of conversations that, you know, a lot of, I, I had never heard of conversation from a person who was missing, yeah. you know, an arm and how that impacted them and how they missed out on opportunities growing up. Like I'd never thought about that, you know? Yeah. And she became a fan favorite too. She was on, on the uh, Bachelor in Paradise too. That's how I, and now she's like sponsored by REI and like yeah. doing really cool stuff out there. Like it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise. Rank them in order. Which ones do you like the most? Which ones do you, which one do you like the least? Okay, hot take. I know everybody's favorite is Bachelor in Paradise. My favorite is Bachelor, and not because of the lead. It's because we get a cast full of women, and I just enjoy watching, like, and, you know, I follow women from this show. Like, I don't follow mm -hmm. men because I don't, like, am I really going to go follow Clayton now to see him work out and give me workout tips? Like, no, I'm not. I did for a short bit and then I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Which I mean, it's great. Like he wants to give healthy lifestyle tips, yeah. but like a man is not going to give me good lifestyle tips. Like when my boyfriend and I diet, like his body is a man's body that was not made to hold a baby. Like we lose weight differently. The things we have to eat is different, are different, you know, and mm -hmm. like, it's just not for me. And that's a lot of men go into this show and they're like, watch me work out, watch me be a bro. And it's like, okay, like I'm going to go follow the women because they're going to, you know, <laughs> lifestyle or things that I identify with more. So I like bachelor the most, um, and then bachelor in paradise and then bachelorette the least. But again, I don't dislike the bachelorette because the leads, it's just like, I don't want to see like Chad Johnson's and like, you know, it's like, I don't, 
Yeah. You know, and especially the some of the male casts recently have just been so triggering. It's like, well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. I think, yeah, people love, people love Paradise for sure. Paradise is fun, but I don't know. That's like, that's I, I love early Paradise. I'm thinking now, like, I know Bachelor is, for me, Bachelor is lower, but just because I feel like the success, it's because of the success rate to me. Right. <laughs> then Bachelor in Paradise and then Bachelor. So I don't know, but. I think for me, it's Paradise, Bachelor, Bachelorette. And there's nothing to me that beats early paradise. Yeah, I think there was a big shift in the editing. Like the early seasons, like there are very few people that are still together from them. Everybody always thinks that the early seasons have the highest success rates. And like there are very few people that are still together from those seasons. But I think there was like there was drama. Like we need, okay, we need a little bit of drama. Like people are going to fight, right? Like that's going to happen. But I feel like recent seasons, like, so much screen time has been given to drama and it's like you can maybe cut like a third of that and give us like some more love stories you know like we want to see people fall in love and those are the people who get the most followers are people who have a reason for us to keep following their story after the show like Hannah Brown and Tyler Cameron are the best example of this like they gained a ton of followers they were like peak Instagram days but they kept skyrocketing after their season ended because literally her finale ended with, hey, you want to go get a date? Like, do you want to go get a drink after this? And everybody was hooked. And then she gets stuck in Florida. Like his his mom died, which then everybody was rallying for Tyler. And then she spotted in Florida with his best friend. And then she mm-hmm. stuck down there, the quarantine crew. And everybody was like, are they together? Are they not? They wouldn't, they wouldn't make a statement. Like, they saw what was happening. They saw all the hundreds of thousands of Instagram yeah. followers they were gaining and they could see the dollar signs, you know? I think that that was just a blast to follow, but I think it shows like people follow contestants when there's a good love story to follow after the show. Also, speaking of that, Dylan Barber. I didn't think that he was <laughs> going to be anything afterwards. I'm, I just pulled up his Instagram. <laughs> 584,000 followers. Yeah, but his girlfriend... I mean, they just bought a multi-million dollar house. Did I find it on Redfin? Maybe. Yes, I did. <laughs> what do you think about it? Dustin from his season? 31,000 followers. And like, just like the difference, like the, the difference just being with Hannah G has done for his Instagram followers and his following in general is just incredible because like, yeah, these people, the soon as they break up, like if, if I pray they don't, because I actually like them together, but if they do, I think it would actually be interesting to see, keep an eye on his Instagram. Be like, does he lose a decent amount of followers because people are like, oh, well, the love story is yeah. not there anymore and I'm not interested in his app and NFTs. I do have to yeah. say, it is hard to compare him to Dustin though, because Dustin, and Dustin's spoken about this too, is like how he didn't gain the same number of Instagram followers as his white mm-hmm. counterparts did on his season. Crazy. Um, yeah. But, um, and, but yeah, like Dylan went on paradise, had a successful relationship. What I did find really interesting this summer, I was fascinated following this and I still check in all the time. This lives rent free in my head. I am so obsessed with Instagram followers. Uh, if people haven't noticed, um, is I was so interested to see what happened with Becca Kufrin when she went on paradise and then she left in a relationship with Thomas, uh-huh. which they didn't like leave together, right? They broke up, but then they got back together after filming. She has like one point something million followers. She's like 1.3 or 1.4. And he has like nothing. Like, and it is really interesting to see how he hasn't benefited, even though she's constantly posting stories with him. Um, and I'm glad they're together. Like, I hope they don't break up over this, right? Like, I don't want this to be a point of contention, <laughs> but I do think it's, it's interesting to see how the tides are kind of turning in terms of Instagram growth of people pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if it's because of his like still like the residual like Katie drama that the guys kind of heaped upon him. And then he got, you know, he got Becca and then it was like, oh, huh, Becca. All right. Like she went with him and then it was like, that's it. 
So there wasn't a love story there. Like they didn't no. really make it all that romantic. She was just kind of like the friend on the beach yeah. the whole time, even though they I were together <laughs> and they were like choosing each other, but like she wasn't really shown at mm-hmm. all. I did think that that was interesting the way that they, they showed her. I was like, that's the former bachelorette, you know, she's the host of bachelor live on stage. You know, she's the host of the, you know, the main podcast. I'm like, huh, but maybe, maybe that's why they didn't. Maybe it felt like they were doing favoritism. I don't know. And the first lead to come back on paradise after being a lead. Yes. Very interesting. Well, I have one more question for you myself. What is the craziest thing that your data has projected or predicted that you found? Like when you're looking, you're knee deep in, in the weeds of this data and you're like, wait, where is this going? How, why, what is this showing? Yeah, I think um, the first one is how on the bachelor seasons, typically the first one-on-one date of the season it seems to be a testing date to see who's going to be the next bachelorette. So a lot of those go on to be the next lead. Um, the other one that was interesting was, I don't remember if it was bachelor or bachelorette. I think it was bachelorette is that, yeah, it was bachelorette. The majority of the final one and two. So the final two people, they get their first one-on-one date around week four or five, which I thought was interesting. Okay. Um, so I think those are always really interesting is to see the formula of when, you know, certain people might win, um, especially like I'm spoiled, but I have so many people in my lives that my life that aren't spoiled. So it's always fun to find those types of trends. Um, yeah, I think those are my favorite ones. And the fireworks date. Fireworks, you're going to go far. Like nobody oh gets goodness. eliminated after getting a fireworks date. <laughs> So true. So true. When that sky lights up, I'm like, okay, she's getting a hometown at least. Like, <laughs> at least. <laughs> well, we really want to thank you for coming on with us. This, this has been a great start to our interview series. What you do is very interesting, but you yourself are also interesting. So I appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, getting back to us so quickly about setting this up. Uh, you can follow her on Bachelor Data on Instagram. Bachelor Data on Twitter. If you have questions, can they DM you if you have questions about what you're doing? Yeah, I try to respond to as many. I see all my DMs and I try to get back to everybody. Awesome. And I'm also on TikTok. TikTok, my apologies. She also has some Excel courses. She has some videos explaining why people are getting on TikTok and not on Instagram because people don't care about Instagram anymore. TikTok's all the rage with the young people. So all the information available that she gives you is awesome. The, it helps predict things. It just allows you to easier keep track of the people. And this is more a question for my wife, from my wife. She's been watching Gabby and Rachel specifically. They are not verified yet. Ooh. And she is like, it baffles her how they're not verified yet. Do you have any information on this? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about them specifically, but I have I've applied myself and been denied, um, regardless of like Vanity Fair articles and Newsweek. Like, I just can't get verified. But um, you have to apply. It doesn't matter who you are. I think like the very rare occasions, of, like when Jennifer Aniston joined Instagram and she broke Instagram briefly, like yeah. they they verified her pretty quickly. But you actually have to apply for verification. Um, so I think you're a little busy too. Yeah. And I think also, I think it's interesting this season, very few women have been verified, if any. Um, I think Susie might be the only one last I checked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they have to apply. So they may have just not applied yet, but um, I, I don't think Instagram would deny any of them if they applied. I mean, they're going to deny like night one people because night one people in the past used to get like 200,000 followers, but they just, they get maybe 200 followers now. (laughs) So I don't think it's anything on, on Instagram that's denying them. I think it's just more, they haven't applied or nobody at ABC has like worked on it, which given this season, we had like three weeks where the press page was just silent with pictures. I, it wouldn't surprise me if that was, if it was that either. Right. Well, yeah. So bachelor data on Instagram, bachelor data on TikTok, bachelor data on Twitter is her information. Now you can follow us on Instagram at podcasting for that reasons, us on Twitter at right reasons pod. 
and on TikTok for clips of this podcast, of other podcasts, and random things else that we might decide to do. Uh, that's on right underscore reasons underscore pod. I'm trying to figure out how to make those all the same. Haven't figured it out yet, but I'm not going to stop trying. So you can follow us on all those things as well. Uh, Susanna, thank you so much. This has been a joy, and you're welcome to join us for a recap anytime. If you ever have any interest in your cat, there's a kitty. And I'm loving your cat. Yeah, I was like, I love that. Follow me too, you guys. I just looked over and I saw a cat. He's like, oh, there's a cat there. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I I now see your data as fun as like election night results. Like I literally, when I was scrolling through, I'm like, this, <laughs> like I'm waiting for like the Iowa returns or something. <laughs> like oh my god, the the data guy from CNN, Steve, what's his name? Was, oh, it's um, like sounds like Wazowski. Or yeah, Chris, that's Kornacki. it. Yeah, Kornacki. Yes, my I'm math daddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a Nate Silver yeah. guy myself, but I, I think the comparison is still the <laughs> Oh, no. I love Nate Silverman, too. Like, I, oh, my gosh. I'm, I, yes, I, I love data. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. This is so great. And hopefully we can have you back, like, in other seasons, you know, pick your brain and see where you think the season's going to go. So, yeah. I always love to come on to talk. Awesome. And then, so... For our fans, we don't know when you'll hear from us again. We're working on other interviews. We're working on other stuff behind the scenes. So we'll get back to you at some point. Uh, Until next time, Ernie, I will talk to you later. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.